Well, I want to talk to you today about how you can be still and know that he is God, even in the middle of chaos. And I'm going to be in Psalms 46. And I just want to talk to you today because this is the kind of stuff that you need to learn to apply to your life every day. And it, it, I tell you something funny. I've been studying this and praying about this all week long. And I always study and pray about how to apply it to your life and to my life. And then I woke up this morning and in getting ready, there were some challenges and some problems. And I began to uh, feel questions and uh, about the future and starting to think of what I needed to do to fix it and how I needed to control the environment. And, you know, it just seems like a natural response that when things around us aren't right, that we grab it and we make it become what we think it should be. And it, it just dawned on me, Mylon, you're about to preach about being still so that God can be God in the middle of the mess. And here you are not being still. And so this scripture, <clears throat> I'm going to read this whole chapter and it won't take long, but I encourage you to go back and read this over and over again. In fact, read this every day this week so that you can remind yourself that when life is chaotic here on earth, that's not necessarily the time for you to start fixing it, but for you to start trusting in God, for you to start finding your refuge and your peace and stillness in Him. Praise His name. So let, let me read this first of all. Starting in verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, Selah, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes war to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. Be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Oh, can we just praise God for a second? Glory to the Lord that in the midst of the chaos, the Lord is our refuge. He is with us. He is our strength, our guide, our peace, our hope. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory to the Lord. Man, I just, I can't tell you how much that hit me this week. And this morning to know that in the midst of the mess is where we find the best time to be still and know that he is God. You see, Psalms 46 here, if you're paying attention, you'll notice that Psalms 46 has 
two things going on. One, it's a prophecy about the millennial reign. It's a prophecy about the time when Christ will come to the earth and he will bring city. It talks about uh, uh, peace, rather. It talks about the city in which there's peace. Amen. And it talks about how that he will end wars. There will be no more uh, uh, striving. The, the spear and the bow he will break. And it talks about kingdoms being tottered or changing or being overcome or overthrown. We see glimpses of the promise of God for peace, stillness, hope, joy, all that your soul longs for. We see the promise of God. This is coming to earth. This is coming and Jesus is going to bring it. Not a politician, not a, a government run by men, not a democracy or a, a socialist government. Jesus is going to bring what your heart and your soul longs for. And, and this is a scripture, a chapter for us to hold on to that while things right now may not be what we want them to be, while right now there may be turmoil and struggle and and wars and, and questions about tomorrow and, and problems. The promise of God is that King Jesus will come again. You saw him going away, the angel said, and in the same way he's coming back, amen? God promised that a Messiah would be born and Jesus was born. God promised that a Messiah would die for our sin and Jesus died for our sin. God promised a Messiah would rise from the dead and Jesus rose from the dead. God promised the Messiah would return and Jesus will return. Just in that aspect alone that Christ is coming back again to bring us the peace, the hope, what we long for in our hearts, just that alone is enough for you to shout hallelujah about Psalms 46. But I want you to know there's another aspect of Psalms 46, and that is that the kingdom of God is already within you and I. It's already within us. In fact, that's how it works, that as kingdom citizens, the kingdom is here on earth within us. It's not in the governments of men yet. No, Jesus is bringing that. It's in the hearts of God's people. It's in you and I, and the kingdom is practiced within us. There is a foreshadowing of the millennial reign, the peace of God. No more wars, no more fear, the refuge of God, the city that makes us glad. There's a foreshadowing of that time to come that lives within you and I, his church. What does that mean? That means that we have a different kind of stillness. It's not the kind of stillness that depends on our environment, but it's the kind that trusts in what is inside of us. It comes from our relationship with God. Hallelujah. You know, it's human nature. If we're going to be still and be at rest, it's human nature to to feel like everything has to be perfect in our environment. And, and a great example of that is sleep. And for most people, in order for you to fall asleep at night, everything has to be done. Uh, the work has to be finished. If you have a chore, a job, a thing that you were supposed to get done, and you didn't get it done, and you hit the pillow, and that thing rolls through your mind, you can't fall asleep 
until you get up and do it. Am I right? Am I right? It's really hard for most people because as long as there's work to be done, we feel like we need to do that. Get our hands dirty, just grab it and get it done. And then when it's over and the work is complete, we can rest. Not only that, we want all the distractions to cease. Uh, we've got to have the lights off. The, the noise has to go down. If the neighbors are having a party or the dogs are barking or something, that can distract you. Everything has to be over with, finished, done. The distraction's gone. I mean, if the house is too cold or too hot, you can't rest. If, if, if the, the mattress has a, a spring poking out of it, you can't rest. You know, if your husband's snoring, you can't rest. Whatever it is, there's, there's got to be uh, all the distractions has to have to cease in order for you to rest. Otherwise, you get focused on the distractions and they really start to irritate you and bother you. And, and you can't rest and you feel like you need to you need all the environment to be at peace and at ease. And and, and you need all the battles won. Like if you're struggling through something uh, and you you lay your head on a pillow at night all of the struggles start going through your mind. Am I right? I mean, if you get out and you're, you're at work or you're doing something, oftentimes the struggles, you're not focused on them because you're focused on other things. But when you go to rest, when you go to be still, it's hard because the struggles are going through your mind. And some of you today, you've learned uh, mistakenly that worrying is responsibility. That if you're a responsible adult, you will take your problems, even the ones that you've given to God, even the ones that you've done all you know to do and you've prayed and you've given it to God, you think it's responsible and adult-like to dwell on them. And so you lay down and the, the struggle's just going through your mind and you're worried. You're worried about kids. You've prayed over them. You've done all you can do. You've given it to God. And yet here you are taking it back and struggling with it. And you feel like... How can I be still when the bills aren't paid and I don't know what the career is going to be like and I don't know what the ministry is going to be like and I have this lump and, and I'm waiting for a doctor's report. How can I be still? I need this to be over with. I need the struggle to be over with. And we all have this dream of a place. It's in your heart. It's in your heart. It's this place where all the bills are paid and there's no worry about money. Everyone is healthy and there's no worry about health. Everyone is at peace and at ease and all of your questions are answered and you finally arrived. You've arrived at this place where you're, you're in a refuge. You're protected. Nothing can get to you. The environment is perfect. Can I tell you what your heart is longing for there? Your heart is longing for the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Your heart is longing for the time when Jesus returns and he makes all things good, all things perfect for his children. Until then, that spirit that lives within you can be lived in your heart. It can't, and it's supposed to be lived in your heart. In fact, people need to see God in you by the fact that you live with that peace, that stillness in the midst of the storm. You remember when Jesus was on the boat and uh, the storm came and all the disciples freaked out and Jesus was asleep. The, the, the world needs to see you spiritually resting while the storm is raging. Come on, somebody. Come on, you're getting this now. 
Uh, you remember when Moses led the children of Israel out, he did everything. They, there was a time to uh, proclaim. There was a time to gather all of their belongings. There was a time to leave the city. There was a time to, to do all of these things. But when they got to the Red Sea, they had done all they could do. There was nothing in their power. It wasn't time in this moment to build boats, take swimming lessons. It was, it was time for them to be still and let God be God. I want to say to you prophetically in the spirit today, some of you, this is your time to be still and let God be God. I know it's tempting when the environment around you is not right to grab the bull by the horns and try to change everything and make it become what it should become, what you feel like it should become, because you feel like if you can get the struggle over with around you, you can finally be at peace inside of you. But I want you to know that when you read Psalms 46, there is nothing in this Psalms that says the environment around you is the reason you can be still. Nothing about it says that. Let's look again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. When? When is God your help? In the time of trouble. Hallelujah. In the time of trouble, God is your help. Therefore, we will not fear when will we not be afraid? When the earth should change. Things around you are changing. The world is changing. Life is changing. And it can, fear can set in. But if you trust in God and God is your refuge, fear will not come over you even though your world should change. Even though the mountains slip into the sea. Oh, hallelujah. Even though the waters roar and foam, that's a, that's a sign that the, the waters of your life are not still. But even though they're not still, the waves are crashing and, and sea is, is foaming with the, the storm. Even in the midst of that, even though the mountains quake, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Let me tell you where the river is. It is inside of you. Jesus said there is coming a time when there will be a river inside of you that will flow out of your life. It will be coming out of the depths of who you are, living water. Can I tell you something? There is a city already inside of you, child of God. It is the city of God whose streams make you not fearful, not worried, not stressed, not anxious. They make you glad. Hallelujah. It is the holy, holy dwelling place of the Lord Most High. Oh, I love church buildings. I love church facilities. I, I've been to some extremely uh, ones that have a lot of depth to them and and a, a lot of visuals to them, stained glass, and the way the architecture is built, it's kind of pointing you towards the sky. I've been to some that are down home and simple and like maybe old country style, and they remind you of a time when, when uh, you know, grandma and grandpa went to church every week. I've been to churches that were very modern and comfortable, and they just, they helped you realize that God is with you even when you're on the couch. Not only when you're in the pew, I mean, I've, I've seen the buildings that we describe as the place where God dwells, but God doesn't dwell in buildings. He dwells in you. 
You and I are the body of Christ. He lives in us. In fact, when we want people to see Jesus, we shouldn't be pointing at a building. We should be saying, look at the peace within me. Look at the stillness within me. Look at the city that is within me. It is a city in which God dwells. And in the midst of her, she will not be moved. Glory to God. Some of you today, you'd like for the earth to stop shaking, but I came to tell you, God's the one shaking it. You would like for your life to start shaking, but I'm here to tell you that God is the one shaking it. It says in verse 6, the nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice and the earth melted. God's word is shaking the world. And although it may be uncomfortable to you in the natural What you need to understand is there's a purpose for the shaking. The shaking removes the stuff that isn't firm. It's removing the stuff that you've depended on and relied upon that isn't God. So that the only thing left is to depend upon God. Listen, when the shaking is all said and done, there'll be nothing left but Jesus. Hallelujah. When the shaking is all said and done, there'll be nothing left but Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to our God. Glory to our God. He says here, be still and know that I am God. Yes, how do we be still? It's not like the world. We're not waiting on everything around us to become still. We are like a tornado. The the outside may be swirling and crazy and life may be out of control and you may not have answers to everything. But in the middle of it all, in the center of who you are, there is peace. There is calm. And this is where you're founded. It's in your spirit. You're not founded upon your money. You're not founded upon your job. You're founded upon your relationship with the Lord. We find refuge, not in the fact that the storm around us has stopped. We find refuge in the presence of God. It says here that the Lord of hosts, is with us. Another interpretation that the Lord of the armies is with us. Now, we're familiar with the, the term the armies of the Lord. We, we hear that all the time. And you get a glimpse of like these throngs of angels, so far as the eye can see, battling on your behalf. That's amazing. But can I tell you something? We don't need armies. It doesn't say that the armies of the Lord are with us. No, it says that the Lord of the armies is with us. You know, all you need is that one person. All you need is the knowledge of that one person who is with you. All you need to know is that God is with me. God is with me. And because God is with me, he provides protection for me. He provides safety for me. It doesn't matter what can happen in my finances or in my health or in my job. There's an underlying peace within me because through it all, no matter what happens in this life, God has me. He's got his hand around me. I am held by him. The devil can't get to me. Heaven is my destination. His presence belongs with me. Hallelujah. I belong with him. Glory to his name. Are you catching that? It's not because everything is perfect around us that we feel safe. It's because he is with us that we feel safe. That even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not afraid because God is with me. Yes, we find peace in the providence of God. I mean, if you think about 
different levels of how God is involved in life. There is your personal life, and, and a lot of what happens in your personal life comes down to your choices. God presents opportunities, and there are choices. And then there's more uh, big picture items, what happens in the big picture of life and in our nation and in our country. And, and elements of that depend upon our will and what we choose as people here on earth. And, and uh, God has given us that power. Above all of that is the providence of God. In fact, all of the choices being made in life stand in the will of God. They stand in the presence and the providence of God. What that means is that God is conducting all of this. He's not forcing the choices you make, but he knows the choices you're going to make. He knows how things are going to turn out, and he has a plan for all of it. Are you hearing me today? And we must trust in the providence of God. We don't feel at peace because we're going to determine how things turn out. Now, I'm going to hit some of you where you live. We're getting close to November 3rd. And some Christians are really nervous because they feel like the only way that we can have peace is if the right person comes along and is elected into office. And when our, if our party is in charge and everything is going to be well and good. And look, I have a preference too. I'm not going to tell it to you, but I have a preference myself. But let me tell you something. My peace doesn't come from a political party or a politician. My peace comes from God. Listen, if Jesus could be asleep in the midst of a storm, then I can be at peace in the midst of a nation that is not where I want it to be. Come on, I want to hear you. I want to hear you in the spirit say yes to God. Amen. That I don't need everything to be perfect to be at peace. I don't need everything to be perfect because my peace doesn't come from what's around me. It comes from who's inside of me. It comes from the promises he's given me. It comes from the fact that I know things are going to turn out well because God is in charge. Not because a politician or a political party or God forbid that you're in charge. I'm going to hit some of you hard. The problem with your life is that you're in charge of it. And uh, you haven't figured this out yet, but you cannot control, lead, and guide your life to success. Only God can do that. Your life was meant to be driven by God. He dwells in you and the Holy Spirit drives you. He pushes you. He leads you where He wants you to go. And as long as you're driving, as long as you're in control and you're trying to control how things turn out, you're not still and allowing God to be God. You're, you're messing up what God could do in your life because you're trying to control how everything turns out. And what God is saying to you today is there's peace in the providence of God. There's peace in knowing that he said, I have thoughts and plans for you and they're good ones. <laughs> oh, there's peace in knowing that he said, you can plan your life, but the purpose of God is what will prevail. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Look, I know me, and I know that if I'm in charge, I'm going to screw some things up. In fact, I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you uh, feel like I am your pastor and you're a part of Austin Alive Church, let me 
promise you now, I'm going to screw up. You're going to be disappointed in me. I'm going to do something to upset you or something you didn't think I, I should have said or done. And you're going to have to forgive me because the Bible says you have to forgive me. But you know what? I'm not Jesus and I'm not trying to be Jesus. And, and when you want some perfection in your life, don't look to me. Look to Jesus. I know me well enough to know that if it was up to me, I would make a mess of things. But yes, I have the ability to sit back and know God is in control. He's not even going to let me screw this up. I'm going to trust God that the providence of God is going to take control. That means I don't have to struggle. I don't have to have turmoil. I don't have to stay up worrying because God is God. Yes, God is God. We find peace in the providence of God and we find hope in the promises of God. Look, Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm coming back again. And when I do, I'm going to receive you unto myself. Jesus said, you shall have trouble in this world, but be of good cheer because I've already overcome the world. Yes, Jesus said, if you just believe in me, you'd have eternal life. Yes, Jesus said, everyone who believes in me shall live and shall never die. Oh, the promises of God, the promises of God. How many times has God promised us something so amazing, so wonderful, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, it's never even entered into the heart of a man, the good things that God has prepared for those who love Him? Oh, thank you, God, for the promises of God. So while the world is giving me a bad report, I'm looking at the promises of God and I'm seeing a good report. You know what that means? I have great expectations. I have great expectations. Look, I like it when everything around me is at peace. I like it when the bills are paid and we're all healthy and everyone's getting along and everything seems prosperous. And sometimes we look at that environment and we say, wow, God is blessing us. But I want you to know we need to think differently. Yes, God is blessing us. But you know what? God is just as much blessing us when the storm is raging and things are not perfect and the world is not uh, uh, what we think it ought to be. When the world around us is in chaos, God is still blessing us. You know why? Because the blessing of God is deeper than my bills are paid. The blessing of God is deeper than I'm healthy. The blessing of God is better than all of my relationships are well. The blessing of God is deeper than that. I can be still and know that He is God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's more than the stuff around me. God has promised me some amazing things, and I know the promises, and I stand upon the promises of God. Our relationship with God is greater than the turmoil around us. The foundation of your life is in Him. It's not that you're holding Him. It's that He's holding you. His, he's holding you. He said, I want to gather you like a chick. chicken gathers her little chicks and protects them. I want to put you under the shelter of my wings. And oh, I have been gathered by Jesus. I have been brought under the shelter of his wings. Some of you need to say that. I have been gathered by Jesus. I have been brought under the protection of his wings. Hallelujah. He holds me. Hallelujah. You know, the, the, the mindset to grab the bull by the horns and make life better, uh, you know, that's, that's even crept into Christianity. And a lot of Christians feel like that's how they should live their Christianity, that they're supposed to just struggle and struggle 
And, uh, you know, it's not that we don't do things. Of course we move in ministry. The Great Commission is to go. And yes, we go. But in the midst of all of that, we're at peace. We're at rest in Christ. We relax in Him. That in the middle of it all, that, you know, like when the disciples are thrown in jail and beaten, they fall asleep. Peter, Peter had been thrown in prison. And just previously, James had been thrown in prison and he had been beheaded because he was a Christian. Now Peter's in prison and the angel comes to deliver him miraculously out of the prison and he has to wake Peter up. Peter's asleep. He's not, he's not so stressed that he can't sleep. Some of us are so stressed over the car payment we haven't slept well in two days. Peter's about to have his head cut off and he's asleep in the jail. What I'm telling you is that you don't need everything around you to be well if you know it is well with my soul. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, listen, as long as you're trying to protect yourself you're not still and knowing that he is God. As long as you're trying to make everything around you be peaceful, you're not being still and knowing that he is God. As long as you're trying to bring hope, you're not bring, being still, trusting in his promises and knowing that he is God. I want you to know when we let go and trust him, we become aware that he is God. In fact, I want you to get this. As long as you're struggling in your own strength and power to fix the world around you, you're not aware. You can't know that he is God because you have become God. You have become the master of your space. You have become the one who decides how it should turn out. You've become the one who's decided how the battle should be fought. You're the one who's picked up the weapons and started struggling with it all again. You came to Christ to release all that. But now here you are, God's child, trying to struggle. You have made yourself God. You can't know God unless you be still. Because the basis of Christianity is not that you do it, but that God did it. Oh, glory, glory, glory to the name of the Lord. Glory to the name of the Lord. You know, there's a lot of famous last words from different people. But the most famous, most powerful last words... In the world, it is finished. Jesus said it is finished. What was he saying? He's saying everything that you need to win every victory, to have peace in the middle of the storm, to have hope in the midst of chaos, I paid for. It's done. It's finished. You just have to believe it and rest in it and know it. And it's in the depths of you. You just have to position yourselves correctly. We are in Him. He is in us. We trust that. You see, the basis of most religions, and even many people's idea of Christianity, is that you take the bull by the horns, you change the environment, you, you make everything around you perfect. That the, the best testimony is a Christian who doesn't have any problems because it shows that God answers prayer and provides miracles and blessings. Use God to fix your life and then you can be at peace. But I want you to know this. If you don't have a problem in your life today, one is coming. The Bible says it'll rain on the just and the unjust. Jesus said in this world you will have troubles. But in the midst of it, be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world. You know, the greatest testimony is not necessarily a Christian with no problems. It's a Christian who's got problems, and in the midst of them, he is still. Oh, thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. 
You are my refuge in the midst of the storm. When I face the Red Sea, I am still. Hallelujah, God. You see, when I stop striving, when I stop struggling, when I stop trying to be God, then God can be God in my life. God can be God in my situation. God has promised us how it all will turn out. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to read to you one scripture today. I'm going to end with this. This is a familiar one that I quote a lot. But I think it's really powerful and I want to read it to you today. What shall we say to these things? Paul's talking about challenges, persecutions, difficulties. You know, I want you to get this. The disciples, the apostles, struggled in serving God. They were beaten, whipped, tortured, killed, laughed at, made fun of. And while many Christians today are going to tell you that being a Christian is this wonderful uh, environment where everything here on planet Earth, God's going to make perfect and better and take all your troubles away. We don't see that evidenced in the life of Jesus. We don't see that evidenced in the life of the disciples. Yes, God is a present help, but there's trouble in that time. That's the reason he's helped, because there's trouble, there's struggles, there's, there's battles and things that go on in your life. Paul is saying, look to all of these struggles, all these battles, all these difficulties, all these accusations, all these persecutions. What do we say to these things? If God is for us, <laughs> who can be against us? Hallelujah. Some of you need to say today, God is for me. Who can be against me? Glory to God. He who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Don't worry, God's got you. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who's going to bring a charge against you and I when Jesus has already paid the price? Who's going to come against us? And accuse us when Jesus stands as our advocate. Who's going to come against Jesus? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who also intercedes for us. Hallelujah. When the devil accuses me, Jesus says, you know what? Father, that one's mine. That one's mine. The blood has cleansed him. Past, present, and future. He is mine. I hold him. He belongs to me. Hallelujah. Who shall separate us from those promises? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, Paul asked. Will tribulation? Will distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? Can I tell you, Paul's not asking the question because he doesn't know. It's rhetorical. He's making a statement. Who's going to separate me from the God who holds me? Is a trial going to separate me? No. Is peril going to separate me? No. Is distress, persecution? Is hunger going to separate me? Is the fact that I don't have clothes going to separate me? Is the fact that the bills aren't going to paid, paid going to separate me? No. He says, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death. All day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. On the outside of us, it may seem like we are just lambs being led to the slaughter. Things are challenged around us, and, and the storm is raging, and we can feel the earth quaking and the mountains falling into the sea, and the sea is roaring with waves and foam, but in the midst of it all, hallelujah, in the midst of it all, 
we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. <laughs> Hallelujah, can I tell you something? You win. Hallelujah, you're, you're not fighting from a place uh, uh, for victory. You're fighting from victory. You've already won. Jesus has declared the ending. This is like a professional wrestling match. There may be a lot of smoke and fighting and struggle going on, and you may even wonder, but in the end, the decision has already been made. You are victorious because God declared it to be that way. For I am convinced, watch this, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nothing in the past, nothing in the present, nothing in the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where does your stillness come from? Where does your refuge come from? Where does your hope come from? Where does your peace come from? It doesn't come from an environment that doesn't have storms. It comes from your relationship with God, that inside of the depths of your spirit, you and God are one. He is in you and you are in him. And nothing that happens to you today can take that away from you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. I want, I want to hit you hard today. Are you ready? Paul didn't say you couldn't be separated from your family. Paul didn't say you couldn't be separated from your money. Paul didn't say you couldn't be separated from your health. Paul didn't say you couldn't be separated from society. He didn't say you couldn't be separated from things here on earth. He said you can't be separated from the love of God from the love that God has for you, from the relationship He has with you, and that if your hope is in Him, if your foundation is in Him, if the center of who you are is in Him, that even though the storms may rage, even though the mountains may fall into the sea, I will not be afraid. Hallelujah. And it is in this reality, in this knowledge, in this faith, that you and I can be still. Be still. And know that He is God. Be still. Stop striving. Stop struggling. And be still. Bless His name.